This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Wednesday night edition coming to you from the Dave and Buster's studios in Columbia. Pat, what is that hanging out your jacket? The orange thing. What is that orange thing? A winter hat because it's 40 degrees out. Oh, okay. It, it, it looks corn, it, chilly. It looks like something you would use to dust, like a little little dust thing. Thought maybe you were going to clean up the studio while you were here. Oh, I see. It's a I won't say what kind of toboggan that is, but it's it's cute. And it works for you. Well, I hope everybody's had a great day. What a busy busy day. And we got a lot to do tonight here on the program. South Carolina press conference today with Shane Beamer. Woo! Somebody TT'd in his Rice Krispies this morning. He was not in a great mood when he came to join the media this morning, 10 o'clock. I mean, he came with some, some fire in the belly. And I mean, just not happy. And I think he's justified. He's not happy that people are just crucifying the hire of Dowell Loggins as his new offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach, and they don't even know him. And people are basing it on, you know, he coached here in the NFL, bad team, coached there in the NFL, bad team. They're putting it all on him. To me, and I don't know the gent, he seems like a really nice guy listening to him today. To me, a guy who continues to get hired in the NFL for the same position, quarterbacks, coach, offensive coordinator, uh, must have something going for him. Uh, He can't just be all friends and buddies that keep hiring him. I think that it's uh, a compliment to him that he was hired repeatedly around the NFL. The NFL is the highest level of football. Hello. Does anybody remember that? It is the highest level of football. I mean, that is where you really should aspire to to go if you're in the football business. It is the top the top level. So I don't understand why people just come out of the woodwork and rip the hire and rip the man, and they don't even know him, you know? So Beamer was ticked off about that, and he let it be known. And then he got into other stuff about his team and about the bowl game and about, uh, you know, Marshawn Lloyd. He said uh, they had a great meeting the Tuesday after the Clemson game. And then Lloyd goes home for the holidays, goes to D.C. in the D.C. area, whatever. And uh, he comes back and he transfers. You know, so he said something happened. Something happened while he was while he was away. So we'll hear from him and we'll hear from uh, Loggins as well. And uh, Maurice Drayton was hired as the new head football coach at the Citadel. He's an alum, former standout player former coach there. He, too, has been in the NFL for a number of years and in college. Ellis Johnson knows him well. Ellis had him on his staff at the Citadel, had him on his staff at Southern Miss. He's going to join us later on to talk about Maurice Drayton and what 
the Citadel is getting in their new head coach there. Also, we are hoping to talk with Anderson coach Bobby Lamb. I saw him yesterday at Shrine Bowl practice, and we talked about him joining us tonight at uh, 7.05. So I've sent out a text to him to remind him. I haven't heard back, but we'll cross our fingers and hope that we can uh, get him on with us tonight at 7.05 to kind of catch up on what he's doing in building that program at Anderson. And on top of all that, ladies and gentlemen, for the second time in Sports Talk history, we go live to South Dakota, where Chris Bergen is standing by. He's got basketball tonight, the much-anticipated Coastal Carolina versus South Dakota showdown tonight in Vermilion. What I wouldn't give to be in Vermilion, South Dakota tonight. The actual rematch, Phil, the rare non-conference home-and-home series in the same season. These two teams played a couple of weeks back in Conway, and Coastal pulled out a, a seven-point win in a game that was tied with about a minute left to go. I am presently watching the final 38 seconds of UT Martin and South Dakota women's basketball here inside the Sanford Coyote Sports Center, which is <laughs> uh, built right next door to their indoor football stadium. They actually have a dome here where South Dakota football plays their game. So a, a lovely facility, seats about 6,000. As you can imagine, probably not going to get close to that tonight. Uh, it's been snowing all day. It's been a lot of fun up here. It's been <laughs> snowing most of the day, so that's been a lot of fun. And evidently, this is the garden spot for South Carolina because, you know, the Gamecock women's basketball team is playing tomorrow night about an hour north of here in Sioux Falls, and they'll take on uh, South Dakota State tomorrow night. So, hey, need Christmas weather? Come to South Dakota. Yeah, Sioux Falls, that's a city in South Dakota that I had heard of. The other night we were trying to name I thought Bismarck was in South Dakota. Uh, I came no, to be informed it's in North Dakota, as is Fargo. I knew Fargo was in North Dakota. Correct. I didn't know. Sioux, Sioux Falls, that's that's a good one there in South Dakota. Okay, and of course, the USC men tonight are playing UAB at UAB, so good test for them against a good no UAB team. They tip yeah. off a little bit after 7 o'clock. So, I don't know if you got a chance to catch what Shane Beamer had to say today at his press conference. What did you make of what he had to say and how he said it? Well, first off, isn't angry Shane Beamer a fun Shane Beamer? If you're a Gamecock fan, you had to walk away from that press conference thinking, you know what, maybe, and especially if you're on the side of Loggins is a horrible coach, he was terrible in the NFL, I can't believe Shane Beamer went this route. And then Shane comes out and basically lays out the reasons point by point by point. And he stressed the reasons he thinks it's a tremendous hire. And I'm like you, Phil. Give the guy a chance. If he comes in and in two seasons, South Carolina's offense has not improved one iota. Not only is Dowell Loggins probably not going to be around much longer, Shane Beamer's career may be in jeopardy at USC as well. So this guy is willing to lay it out as your head coach to bring in a guy he is comfortable with and he clearly vetted with the amount of people he brought up during the press conference. I was impressed with everything he said. I did not get a chance to hear Dowell Loggins' comments, but I, I really like fired up Shane Beamer. He sort of reminds me of Dabo Sweeney. When Dabo gets fired up about a certain issue, he will go to great lengths to remind everybody why you're wrong about what you think. And you come away from it thinking, huh, maybe Dabo knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I think Shane Beamer probably deserves the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, yeah. He's just like Dabo Sweeney. Now, when Dabo gets defensive and goes on the offense, he cites a lot of stats, things that they have done. He reminds – in fact, he's had to do it this year with his impatient fan base reminding them that they've won 10 games in a row. How many seasons in a row? 10 games, how many seasons in a row? A whole bunch. 
and you know a bunch of ACC championships, two national championships. And like you said, if that ain't good enough for you, if that ain't good enough for you, well, and Shane Beamer had to remind Gamecock fans today that they went eight and four. They beat Clemson. They snapped the losing streak there. They snapped the losing streak to Kentucky. They snapped the losing streak to Texas A&M. They snapped Clemson's home winning streak. They beat two top 10 teams back-to-back, something that hadn't been done by anybody in a long, long time. And so he's reciting all this stuff because he is teed off, and I'm sure it frustrates him that the fan base, some in the fan base, you know, I'm not going to paint everybody with the same brush, but some in the fan base have such a short memory and, you know, the expectations are placed way too high for a second-year coach in building his program. So I think he had every right to uh, lash out. And, you know, he actually uh, went after Gene Sapikoff by name of uh, the Charleston Post and Courier because, yeah. well, look, Gene wrote a very um, uh, negative article about the hire, which he has every right to do as a columnist. His job is to observe and listen and react, and, and he wrote what he wrote. And, uh, and Beamer, um, obviously, Beamer is highly clued in to what the media writes and says, and that was part of his uh, his spiel today was, you know, firing back at Gene by name uh, regarding that article. So, um, but, you know, no harm, no foul. He got his points across. He defended his hire. I think if you were there that uh, you had to be impressed with Loggins, with the way he handled things. He seems to be a very calm individual. He seems to be low-key. Now, that's just here at a press conference. He might be entirely different in the meeting room or on a practice field or calling a game. But, uh, you know, so far so good from the, uh, from, the, from the start. He's already been in touch with quarterbacks that the Gamecocks are involved with. And they seem to be uh, impressed. Of course, his, his biggest recruit is going to be uh, Spencer Rattler, and you know, trying Second to biggest. yeah, trying he to said try, right behind his wife. Yeah, trying to trying to you know, <laughs> but how can you convince him? How can you convince a player to stay when they're chasing NFL dollars? You know, right. and if they think they're going to get the NFL dollars, like Trenton Simpson of Clemson today. Trenton Simpson of Clemson did announce today that he is foregoing his final season of eligibility or the next season of eligibility at Clemson, and will enter the NFL draft. And, you know, PFF ranks him the number one linebacker in the draft. So why wouldn't you go? Number one linebacker in the draft, you figure he's going to be definitely a top ten pick, right? Which is going to mean millions and millions of dollars. You, you've done that. You've, you've probably done uh, what you need to do. He wasn't going to play in the bowl game because of an injury. He's not apt, opting out of the bowl game per se. He wasn't going to play because of a – of an ankle injury, but he is not going to come back to Clemson. So they, they will miss him. He was a terrific player for the Tigers, a guy that was unique with his speed and his size, his ability to rush the, the quarterback and also drop back in a pass coverage and be a factor there. So we got all that coming your way tonight. Phone calls as well, 888-898-2525. That's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. Again, the number. I say it too fast, they tell me sometimes. 888-898-2525. Okay, so give us a call. And since 2002, more than $572 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund Palmetto Fellow Scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com 
slash education wins and playing for fun is a win for education we come to you from the dave and buster studios in columbia eat drink play and catch the big games a lot of games tonight a lot of basketball games tonight catch them all season long at dave and buster's in greenville columbia and myrtle beach next wednesday we'll be broadcasting sports talk from the dave and buster's in columbia out in harbison so we've done greenville we've done myrtle beach and now we'll do the one in Columbia. Of course, I should probably leave now because traffic heading out that way this time of year, Harbison area, is murder. So probably need no to question. leave real early to get out there for that. By the way, don't know if anybody stayed up like I did, but Lakers and Celtics last night had another classic game in their rivalry, overtime game. Obviously, you must be figuring the Celtics won or I wouldn't have brought it up. The Celtics won, so I thought I would bring it up. Do you know now... I looked up the all-time series because I was texting with K-Mac last night during the game back and forth. K-Mac being a, a huge Laker fan, so I love it when they lose. All-time record now between the two, if my memory's right, I think it's Boston 206 and the Lakers 164. So we have a commanding all-time lead in the series. And of course, the two teams are tied for the most championships all-time. Of course, the Celtics should have broken that had they taken care of their business uh, last year uh, and, and a few years earlier. Um, that was a good ball game. The, uh, the Celtics led by 20. They blew it. They played some rotten basketball for a while. The Lakers turned it around. They went up by 10. The Celtics came back and tied it at the end of regulation and then won it in overtime. So if you're a Celtic fan, you're very, very pleased with what you saw there last night on the floor, 207 and 164. 207, 164, the all-time record. We'll hit the break. Be back in a moment. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plate it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at scattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
All right, Mississippi State's going to promote Zach Arnett to head football coach, replacing Mike Leach, who passed away earlier this week. And Arnett, highly regarded defensive mind, was at San Diego State before coming to Starkville. He's 36 years old. He's never been a head coach. But they need stability after the sudden death of Leach, no question about it. This being reported by CBS Sports' Barrett Sally. I think I read where he's the now fourth youngest head coach at the FBS level. So, obviously getting his feet wet, and it it made perfect sense. You you don't plan for a situation like Mississippi State is going through. They're lucky to have somebody that they can basically just hand reins off to. Yeah, yeah. Continuity is important in that situation for the players. Let's jump to some phone calls. Uh, Hear what you got tonight. 888-898-2525 is the number. So, we go to... uh, is it Tom and Woodruff going to be our first call? That's right. Tom, Tom up in Woodruff listening to WQUL right there in the heart of Woodruff and Spartanburg. Tom, good to have you with us. How are you? Hey, it's Todd. Todd, Todd. Todd. Well, yeah, we were only yeah. off a couple of letters. Todd, Tom. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we know it's you. You okay. know you know who you are, and now we know who you are. Got it. Uh, got another Jeopardy question for you, Phil. Um hmm? The Shrine Bowl game, is there radio broadcast coverage of that game uh, Saturday? You know, there usually is, and I don't know offhand the stations that might be carrying it. I'm going to look, but there usually is there usually is a network of stations. I just don't I just don't know what what stations are are on their list right now. So usually in Spartanburg there is because um one of the gentlemen who's uh, involved with the game is also a broadcaster up there with a radio station, and at the very least, it'd be on his station, I would think. So, but I can't tell you off the top of my head what the stations are. I would just scan the dial if you're in the Spartanburg area. Scan the dial. Uh, I guess uh, what time is their kickoff up there? About uh, two o'clock. Usually, it's about two o'clock. One o'clock. Is it one o'clock? Yes, sir. Okay, one o'clock. So I'd just scan the dial. You might find it. Okay, that'll work. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I was looking to see if they had a list of their stations, and they you know, don't. Phil, I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I I used to work for a couple of radio stations that always broadcast the North-South game and obviously the Shrine Bowl as well, but I think when the Shrine Bowl went away, I don't know that they brought their radio network back, which is terrible, and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I'm like you. I'm actually looking at their website. I don't see any mention of radio coverage of the Shrine Bowl, which would be an absolute shame. I think they had something last year, and I think it's originated by a group, a station, a group in North Carolina. Uh, but again, I can't yeah, testify to it. Yeah. yeah, I can't testify to it, you know. All right, well, thank you for the phone call. We appreciate it. 888 is our number if you want to uh, join us here tonight. And, uh, oh, I know what I wanted to bring up. So, Grayson McCall, the great quarterback at Coastal Carolina, and I think we can use the word great accurately with him as you know he's put his name in the transfer portal john yet he plans to play for the shauna clears in the birmingham bowl yet mm-hmm. he plans to take a visit to auburn this weekend am i the only one that thinks that's a little uncomfortable i thought it was extremely surprising i admire grayson because we also heard you know, dj Uyangale wanted to do the same thing was wanted to stay with the tigers through bowl practice and the like and then transfer and 
I think he and Dabo came to the conclusion and the consensus that's probably not a good idea. I can't imagine if Grayson gets a offer that he likes at, say, Auburn. I actually saw you know, betting odds for what it's worth out of the transfer portal that Florida seems like the front runner for his services. Either way, if he gets an offer from Florida or Auburn that he likes, would you as a head coach, at especially Hugh Freeze, would you want him playing for another team in a bowl game where he could potentially get hurt again? Or would you tell him, hey, no, come on, let's get on the planes and get ready for spring football? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of the player, and I think he was in the Southern Conference that played at, see if you recall this, there was a player who was playing out the season with a team, but he was already committed to transfer to another school, to a bigger school. And I want to say he was at, like, VMI, and he was going to be transferring up a level. Does that ring a bell? He was playing for one school while, while committing to, while he's committed to transferring to another school. I don't know. I just think, you know, if you're in the transfer portal, some coaches will say if you're in the transfer portal, you're done here. You know, mm-hmm. move on, and we appreciate it. That's kind of how I would have to look at it as much as – McCall has done for Coastal Carolina, and what an icon he is there. I mean, look, he he's going somewhere else, and I kind of agree with you. If he gets an offer or agrees to go to Auburn or somewhere else, I'm the next coach. I don't want him playing in another in a game for another team. Well, if you're Tim Beck, the newly hired head coach at Coastal, do you go to Grayson and say, Grayson, we appreciate everything you have done for the program. I need for us to move on. I need to see what Jarrett Guest can do in the bowl game. The young man who played the final couple of games for them alongside Bryce Carpenter. So, you know, even if you're coastal, I'm somewhat surprised. They've got an interim coach, Chad Staggs, that'll be working the bowl game, and he's the D.C., so he's worked with Grayson for a long, long time. He's probably thrilled about that. He's not getting the job at Coastal, obviously. Yeah. But if I'm Tim Beck, I think I may have a private conversation with Grayson and say, man, we appreciate everything you've done for this university. You'll always be a shot and clear. But we've got to start getting ready for next year without you. Of course. And I want to see what I've got in Jarrett Guest. Of course, they got an issue at quarterback because the backup quarterback is arrested. And I'm not sure, and suspended. He was arrested and suspended. So, I mean, he's not going to be available in all likelihood. And so now you're talking about if McCall's not there, how many quarterbacks do they have? Well, they've got a freshman right now on the roster that they're extremely high on his athleticism and ability, but he hasn't played a snap, I don't think, all year. Jarrett Guest is the guy. He's the one who played the last couple of ball games when McCall was hurt prior to the uh, Sunbelt Championship game against Troy. And that's, that's sort of my point. If I'm Tim Beck, I'm thinking, I need to see more from that guy. So help me out here a little bit, Grayson. Why don't you just kind of slide off to the side, and, and we need to start getting ready for 2023 without right. you. Very quickly, before we hit the bottom of the hour and you leave us, let's go to Harold in Greenville. Next up here on Sports Talk, sticking to the upstate tonight. Harold, welcome in. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, Phil. I just told Pat, you know, I want to hear Shane Beamer, so I'm going to be preempted by Carolina basketball. Oh. I told him to keep me on the line so I can hear your show. Well, now, you can always hear it on our stream. Do you know how to pick up the stream? No, sir. I'm not on my wife's the computer guru. I'm the computer geek. Listen, (laughs) just tell her. Just tell her to go to our website, sportstalksc.com. You can remember that, right? Well, I'm out here on the patio. You know, I'm out. I'm outside. Just keep me on the line, even though after we hang the call up, because I want to hear Shane Beamer. Okay. And and uh, what you this up, you know, kind of pre uh, uh, about him. Yeah. Because I want, listen, 
I'm on his side. I mean, he sounds like somebody I, I want to uh, keep in Carolina. Well, you know, he, he he's putting up the the right image. I would say, if you're a Gamecock yep. fan, you got to like what you what you hear from him, and uh, he's he's doesn't back up, doesn't take a step back from anybody. So we got that coming up after the break. It's kind of lengthy. It's a little longer than normal because there were too many good pieces in his press conference to skip. I mean, I've pieced it together. I've put together what I think are some of the best moments, some of the best uh, questions and answers. So it's a little longer than normal, but I think you'll enjoy it, and we'll have that coming up for you after the break. Thank you, Harold. Chris, enjoy your uh, call tonight up there in South Dakota. Thank you, sir. And we will come back tomorrow. I doubt I'll be on because I may not be. Uh, I'll be a little bleary eyed tomorrow night. So I will chat with you guys on Friday. That sounds good. Safe travels. Have a good ball game. Get number 801 for Cliff, and we'll be back. Make that 901. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk. Going to hear from Shane Beamer in just a second. I want to read something that's just come across the desk here at Sports Talk that's interesting. This was retweeted by an attorney who, on his Twitter, it says he's an NIL attorney, guy by the name of Matt Winter. I don't know where he's from. But his handle on his Twitter says that he is a attorney at Kenny Hertz Perry LLC, an NIL attorney, sports law, business litigation, a former Division I player for uh, William and Mary. Well, he's in Kansas City. So he tweets out, a new bill has been filed in South Carolina that would allow D1 schools generating at least $50 million in athletics revenue per year to pay football and men's and women's basketball players stipends based on the time spent on their sport. The annual amount of the stipend is calculated by multiplying the number of hours spent associated with the sport times the hourly rate the school uses for work-study programs. The stipends would be in addition to athletic scholarships and classified as financial aid, not income. Well, the NCAA limits you to 20 hours per week with your sport. So that's 80 hours a month, 20 hours a week. I don't believe that includes games. I think that that encompasses practices, meetings, weight training, and all that. So... How much money are you going to make doing that? The stipend would be in addition to the scholarships classified as financial aid, not income, so it wouldn't be taxed, I guess. And the number of hours spent associated with the sport times the hourly rate the school uses for work-study programs. So I have no idea what a typical amount for that would be. What what would the hourly rate be for a work-study program? 20 bucks an hour maybe? I don't know, 50 bucks an hour? If it if it were 50 bucks an hour and you you calculate it I guess based on 20 hours a week, right? Well, you can you can do the math and see what you got there. So, anyway, 
That's nice that the South Carolina legislature is, uh, or somebody in the South Carolina legislature, is actually, I can tell you who brought it up because he's put a link to the actual bill. It was sponsored by Senator Kempson, whoever that is. Uh, Senator Kempson, back on December the 7th, uh, put this bill in. So um, we'll see where it goes from here. As if they don't have, like, maybe hmm, some more important things to be concerned about, you know? And this is not what NIL was supposed to be. Now, I don't want to get off on that tangent. I really don't. But everybody is putting their hands into the mud here. NIL was not about the state of South Carolina, the state house, passing legislation to get more money to the athletes. It was, it was supposed to be about an athlete earning money based on their name image likeness and basically doing it on their own right but then of course all of a sudden all these companies popped up and all these collectives popped up and said hey let us help you do this let us help you get the money let us help you get in touch with advertisers let us help you get in touch with uh, people who want you to make appearances and pay you for card shows and pay you for kissing babies and whatever, you know, whatever they can come up with. They created a cottage industry. That was not what the Supreme Court had in mind, I, I don't believe. And, of course, like everything, like everything in college sports, they don't think it through, and the the unintended consequence is what you've got now is a complete rat race, whether rats – are running everything. And I'll go more into that in a little bit, but I don't want to take up too much time here with Shane Beamer. So here is USC coach Shane Beamer from his press conference today. It's a little lengthy, but it's meaty. Okay? Chew on this for a little while. Shane Beamer. A lot of excitement and momentum going into the Gator Bowl, and that's because of the excitement and the momentum that we created here at South Carolina this past season that we continue to build on that momentum. A 8-4 uh, and four team a nationally ranked team uh, going to a historic bowl game, beating Clemson for the first time in a while, snapping Clemson's home winning streak that they've had for however many years, six years, back-to-back uh, -back wins for the first time ever in South Carolina football history and only the seventh team in the history, history of college football to beat two top ten teams as an unranked team in back-to-back -back weeks. So I feel like some people might need a reminder of some of the things that we've done here at South Carolina this past season and the momentum that we've created since then as well. Uh, maybe outside this building there's a perception that the momentum slipped. That couldn't be further from the truth uh, from a momentum standpoint. We are uh, moving this program forward. The excitement level from recruits, the excitement level from our current team is at an all-time high. We're constantly trying to get the uh, right people, if you will, on the bus of where we're going. We're taking this program to places that it's never been before. And there's bumps along the way. And sometimes as you climb higher and higher, people get off that bus. There's an old, old saying, Steve Harvey, we showed the team one time about the people on your wagon. And make sure you got the right people on your wagon as you climb the hill. And we are certainly climbing to places that we haven't been before at South Carolina football. 
and uh, we've got the right people on the wagon, and we're continuing to add people as well to that wagon, to that bus as we move forward as well. Wish I could show you some of the text messages and phone calls that I've gotten from current players on our team and guys that we're recruiting as well over the last 48, 72 hours that makes uh, really validates what we're doing here as a program as well. And part of that momentum that I'm talking about that we've create, we're continuing to build on is hiring Dow Loggins as our offensive coordinator. Uh, I told you guys when we had that press conference over in the stadium the weekend after the Clemson game that there was a ton of interest in, in this position and that my phone was blowing up. And that is exactly the, uh, the case. It was blowing up. And I talked to a lot of people, a lot of people that were interested in this position, sitting head coaches in college football that reached out to me current coordinators in the NFL that reached out to me, current Power Five coordinators. I easily could go out and hire the hot name, the guys that when you guys read the hot boards on some of y'all's websites, the names that were on there that the general public thinks that's the guru and that's the guy that we need to bring into the program. I'm not interested in winning the, program, the, the press conference, guys. I'm interested in hiring the best coach available for what we need as a program. I'm interested in not hiring the name that people recognize. I'm interested in hiring the guy that can continue to move this program forward. There are a lot of hot names, if you will, last year out there in college football. They got hired places that people that are not as aware of what's going on in college football said, oh, my God, that is a home run hire by that school. Well, some of those schools are sitting home for Christmas right now because they're not even in a bowl game with what they did. So talk to a ton of people, all right? Clayton White and Pete Limbo, when we hired those two guys, probably there wasn't a lot of fanfare when we hired Clayton White and, pretty, and Clayton, uh, Clayton White and Pete Limbo. I'd say they've turned out to be pretty damn successful here in South Carolina. All right, so they weren't necessarily the hot name when we hired them. People that are in the profession know about Dow Loggins. So I read your article this morning, Gene, and that's great. I'm sure in your research you did more than just say, well, I haven't heard of that guy before. Let me see what his stats said. Oh, well, he had a run as a coordinator in the NFL that maybe wasn't as successful that he wanted, so he must not be very good. Surely you did more research than that, Gene. And it's not just Gene, it's a lot of people. So surely everybody that wants to critique every hire that we make here, I'm sure you guys knew that Dow Loggins turned down a coordinator job in the SEC last year, correct? Everybody knew that, right? I'm sure you guys know that I'm the fourth SEC head coach that's reached out to him in the last two weeks about coming to work for him. So we were fortunate to hire Dow Loggins because there were a lot of other people that were interested in hiring Dow Loggins as well. I'm sure you guys reached out to Bill Parcells, who Dow worked for. Anybody? I'm sure the people on the outside, all the experts on social media, I'm sure they called Sean Payton, arguably one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. Uh, to talk to Sean Payton about Dow. I'm sure you reached out to Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. All those guys are guys that Dow worked for. Did you call Connor Shaw? Alshon Jeffrey. Coached, Al, Dow coached Alshon Jeffrey with the Chicago Bears. And I'll keep my conversation with Alshon private, 
But it was pretty dang, important, pretty dang special what he told me. I talked to John Fox, former head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, about Dow. Clyde Christensen, current quarterbacks coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sylvester Kroom, longtime NFL coach who just went into the Hall of Fame <clears throat> for college football last week. James Franklin, current head coach at Penn State. Stan Drayton, current head coach at Temple University. All people that he worked with or Dow was the coordinator for. So we hired a big-time coach. And couldn't be more excited about hiring uh, Dow and the text messages that I got from people that he's worked with or coached over the last however many years in the NFL uh, validate that for sure. Uh, you don't last 16 years in the NFL like, uh, like he has without being a really, really good football coach. And we're fortunate to have him here at South Carolina. Why Dow Loggins? One, he's a fantastic person that I've known since I was an assistant coach here at South Carolina uh, previously. Uh, why Dow? He's an elite recruiter. He's shown that in his two years already at the college level as well. I love the idea of being able to take what he's done in the NFL as an assistant coach and as a coordinator for multiple teams and marry that with what he's learned at Arkansas the last couple of years being a part of their offense and realizing that you can have, quote, a, quote unquote, a pro-style offense but then also, it doesn't have to be as wordy, complicated, voluminous, whatever you want to say. You can really narrow things down. So I think being able to take what they've done at Arkansas and what he's learned in his career and marry it to best fit us is uh, pretty cutting edge, if you will, me. He's the perfect fit for what we need right now uh, as a football program. Uh, he makes our program better, his personality, his recruiting skills, his fit in that offensive staff room as well. He'll make us better. You know, we certainly did a lot of good things on offense last year here at South Carolina, but we need to be better, to say the least. We need to be more consistent, to say the least, and I believe that Dow can help us do that. We've certainly got to cut down on turnovers. It makes me sick that two years in a row now we've turned the ball over more than any team in the SEC. So the fact that we've won seven games and eight this year with a chance to win nine, having turned the ball over more than any team in this conference is a minor miracle in some ways. So we've got to do a better job of cutting down turnovers as well. Uh, the NFL, and Dow will talk about it here in a second, I believe is all about matchups and, and getting the ball to your best players and finding ways to get them touches. I think he'll really help us being able to get the ball to our quote-unquote, playmakers as well. And then being able to continue, like I said, to streamline our, our offense and, uh, and, and what we're doing to make us better as well. He's had some conversations with uh, uh, recruits that we're recruiting or are currently committed. And I wrote down some of the responses of some of the text messages. One, one young man that's committed to us wrote back, he's absolutely awesome and he is the perfect guy for me to play for. You know, that was after one phone call that he had. So the response from uh, recruits and then he's talked to some of our current players as well has been off the charts. Uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot of excitement and momentum uh, going on right now with what we're doing here at South Carolina football as well and got an opportunity to add to that now with hiring Dow and then going into bowl prep starting tomorrow as well. So any questions before I turn it over to him? Shana, first of all, will Dow call plays in the bowl game? Uh, no. Well, he and I really haven't even talked about that, but no, I'm telling him now he's not. So um, <laughs> I think he knew that. No, it's things we talked about. He's going to be around here for the next um, – What's today? Wednesday. We start practice tomorrow. He'll be here through the weekend, around recruits this weekend. Certainly, you know, value his input, and he'll be around. But I don't think that's fair for him to come in and all of a sudden, you know, take over the, the coaching of our offense right now. And with play calling, obviously, he hasn't done it at the college level before. So what did you see in him that says it's not going to be an adjustment? You know, you 
that, that he can handle that once it's time. Well, he's done it in the NFL. And, yes, the NFL and the college games are, are different. But you don't last as long as he did in the NFL and, you know, get – be 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 a coordinator for multiple teams, starting with the Tennessee Titans and one head coach, and then the Chicago Bears with a second head coach as well, and then Miami Dolphins and New York Jets without uh, knowing what you're doing. And uh, certainly it's different, but he'll tell you. And so much of the game planning and play calling is done during the week as well as a staff. And then certainly you got to have a feel for it and be able to do it on game days. But knowing what a football junkie he is, and uh, how intelligent he is, have no concerns about that either. Shane, do you think Coach Loggins was successful in his last four years as an NFL coordinator? And if so, how do you define success? I define success, you know, I think you take the things that you have available to him, the things that you have available, and I think you certainly got to look at every uh, circumstance as well. I think you can take stats and, and shape them any way you want to shape them, Gene. You know, I think there's a deeper story as well, um, I think I don't. I I really didn't dive into uh, exactly every game he coached in that six, sixteen game season, but I also know from talking to John Fox, the former head coach of the Bears, he talked about the, the some of the struggles they faced the year that Dow was up there and Jay Cutler got hurt as your starting quarterback. Correct. So you know I don't I don't generally research Jay's history, but when you lose your starting quarterback in the NFL, um, I think it's tough. Kyle Shanahan is considered probably the greatest or the best offensive coach or one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL right now. And he was the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns when Dow was the quarterback's coach. They worked together. Um, I didn't, I don't really know the history of the Cleveland Browns in that particular season, but I don't think it was very good that year as well and some nobody questions Kyle Shanahan's ability so he'll be the first to tell you there's things that certainly they could have been better and when you're near the bottom of the of the NFL and in statistical rankings surely you don't want to be there but again I think you can take any stat and, and shape it any way you want I think there's a deeper deeper uh, uh, investigation that goes into that as well you know I know enough from talking to people and knowing how football smart he is that uh, I've got total confidence in that as well. Did you decide to part ways with Coach Satterfield after the Florida game? Did I decide to part ways? With Coach Satterfield I after didn't know the Florida I, game. I didn't know I parted ways with Sat. Who yeah. told you that? It was reported by one of the Gamecock websites. Uh, well, I know this is going to be shocking. One of the Gamecock websites was wrong. Um, sorry for anyone that re reported that. There's a lot of false info out yeah. there, unfortunately. You know, I got to deal with that with recruits and things like that, of things they read on the internet, which I hate to break it to you guys. The internet and Twitter is not real life. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I did not decide to part ways with Sat after the Florida game. Okay. As far as running the offense and yeah. the coordinating and all of that, since it won't be um, Coach Loggins, um, do you have. I mean, obviously you have a plan. Can you share the plan? No, how you like, I don't know if you were in the press conference the last that Sunday night in the stadium. I'm no, dis, no disrespect, guys, but I'm probably not going to tell you guys because to me that's a strategic advantage for Notre Dame uh, if we say that whoever, Montario, Justin, uh, Greg Atkins, Lonnie Teasley, Dow Loggins, um, uh, Jody Wright, whoever is running the offense and – to me, you can go back and look at their backgrounds and where they've been as well. It'll be a group effort, Phil. You know, no matter who calls the plays, we've all been working to put together a plan for the offense down in Jacksonville in a couple of weeks, and that's what we're continuing to do. And 
And uh, when we get to when we get to Jacksonville on December 30th, we'll all be on the same page, and you know I'll be heavily involved, and whoever's calling it, we'll we'll call it. But it'll be a group effort that we put together. Do we know who the quarterbacks coach is going to be for bowl game? No, not yet. No. And what were conversations? I do, but we're not going to get into all that in here right now. So <laughs> sorry. And, and what were conversations like with Marshawn before he opted into the portal? Mm, they were good. We had a uh, we talked in my office. So, um, we talked in my office, uh, I think, the Tuesday after the Clemson game, and it could not have been more positive. Uh, we had a fantastic conversation, and, and things were absolutely fantastic. And um, he went back home. He's home right now. And obviously, when he got back home, some things in his mind changed that I wasn't aware of or that we didn't talk about that day. So talked on Sunday or Monday. I was up in D.C. actually recruiting all day Sunday and Sunday night. and. Uh, we talked on Monday morning, him and his mom and I, for a long time. And, you know, like I said, wish him well. Were you surprised at all by any of the opt-outs or the transfer portal guys that you had? And how will that change how you prepare for the bowl game? Um, opt-outs, no. I mean, those are conversations that we don't spend a ton of time talking about it during the season, but had a general idea just from talking to players even before. Even some of those guys like Zach Pickens that came back to play this year, you know, a lot of those weren't um, weren't surprises. Uh, transfers, I don't think you're ever surprised. You know, you, it's it's um, it's <laughs> it's tough out there right now, guys. Um, and we're in a great situation here at Carolina. I mean, I look around and there's other other schools that have close to 20 right now of their players in the portal and things like that. And you just realize that's part of it. And and Wish guys that, that aren't here well. Um, I mean, I had a text message from somebody that transferred last year that played for another school yesterday just, you know, checking on me and saying hello. And so I appreciate that. So try and leave on good terms and wish them well. But I don't mean this in a negative way. I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about the guys that aren't here. Uh, we got a bunch of really special young men and people in this program right now that, that are here and excited to get back to work. And, and certainly uh, it changes prep. You know, a little bit. We were in that situation last year when, when, um, when, uh, what Luke was hurt and Jason had already left at quarterback, and we weren't really sure what the quarterback situation was going to look. So we've been in that situation uh, before, and we haven't really dove into it because it's been all recruiting, and then coaches just kind of working on Notre Dame on their own the last couple weeks. But uh, we'll get back in here tomorrow as a staff and really kind of figure out the best plan of attack. But certainly, it'll be more challenging when you're missing guys. Uh, but but um, that's why we that's why we get paid to coach. You know, be creative and trying to come up with a game plan. All right, Shane Beamer. I know that was a little long, but I thought it was pretty good stuff. So Shane Beamer from earlier today. Uh, a few other notes: uh, Corey Rucker, South Carolina injured receiver. He's transferring again. You know, he transferred in to South Carolina from Arizona State. Was expected to be a major contributor, and got hurt. And didn't play very much uh, at all, which is a shame. And this is a loss for South Carolina. This was a guy kind of like Juice Wells that they thought was going to really help the offense. And, you know, healthy he might have, but now he's not going to give it a chance. So he's going into the uh, transfer portal, John. So that's another one that is uh, gone from South Carolina. And uh, Clemson, we told you about Trent and Simpson, Jalen Hyatt, the Dutch Fork product, the Tennessee receiver, is going to skip the Orange Bowl, go ahead and get his process underway for the NFL. And uh, what a year he had. 
Belitnikoff Award winner is the nation's top receiver. Really blossomed this year. Just shows you hard work and the steady development that he had in the Tennessee program. You know, he wasn't a major factor right away. He wasn't Antonio Williams-like when he got to Tennessee, but he developed himself. And, I mean, the marriage between him and uh, Hendon Hooker was fantastic. I mean, they, they became, you know, that was a magnet for Hooker's passes was high until he got hurt, and now he's moving on, going to give the NFL a shot. Uh, at Clemson today, they had another practice. David Hood put out some some notes from the Tigers' practice, and one of the visitors there is a quarterback in the transfer portal, John, Paul Tyson. Started his career at Alabama, went to Arizona State, didn't play either place. He is the grandson of Bear Bryant. And so he visited Clemson today, apparently, and is he there as a potential um, enrollee? You know, kind of like a Hunter Johnson. And I'm sure this goes back to Sweeney's ties to Alabama and helping out a family and helping out a friend. If Tyson decides he wants to go to Clemson, he knows that he's just going to be a an assistant uh, in the in the quarterback room and on the scout team and not going to be a player for Clemson, I wouldn't think. Uh, but he was there today, according to uh, David Hood. And uh, let's see, what else did he have here? Um, players are moving around, he said, at the nickel spot. Uh, Makuba and Phillips and Koval all working out there. And he said um, – Cole Turner continues to look good coming off his ACC championship game performance. Looks like he's going to continue to be a a, a contributor for the Tigers. Um, Bressy was playing um, as some at defensive end, working out some there, but also worked out at defensive tackle. They went inside because temperatures were in the 40s and it was a steady rain up there today, and so they worked out inside. And Bressy, who still hasn't decided for sure if he's coming back next year, but he is right now, Going to play in the in the bowl game. Could play tackle, could play end. Uh, Davis Allen, Rook, Orho, Rororo. Upgraded from yellow to green jerseys. No contact, but did go full go in drills. Makuba, Venables, and Parks were in green as well. Makuba, heavy wrap on his right ankle. USC will have its first practice tomorrow afternoon at 4.15. Bobby Lamb coming up after the break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, busy night here on Sports Talk. A lot of football talk tonight. Ellis Johnson coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about the new head football coach at the Citadel. And we've got recruiting coming up. We'll also hear from the new offensive coordinator at South Carolina, officially announced today, Dowell Loggins. And amongst all of that, but not to be outshined, we welcome in a familiar voice, a familiar name to Sports Talk. He's been here Many, many times over the years, back when he was wearing the helmet and the cap of the Furman Paladins, he's now the uh, new head football coach at Anderson University, building from the dirt up. Bobby Lamb, I ran into him yesterday at the Shrine Bowl. I said, Coach, let's get you on the show, catch up on what you're doing. It was great seeing you yesterday. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. It's great to be with the legendary 
Phil. <laughs> Let's don't be drunk over this thing, okay? <laughs> that's that's a bit of an overstatement. You were the legend back in the day, and boy, did we love covering you and your team with the Paladins uh, as a player, and then of course uh, your great run as a coach there. So much fun, and now you're undertaking the the tremendous task of building a program from scratch at Anderson University. We had you on, of course, back when you first got there and got things underway. Where are you now in the process? Well, first of all, it's, it's great to be back in the upstate of South Carolina. Uh, Anderson University is, is, has done an unbelievable job with our lead, uh, the president, uh, Evans Whitaker, and uh, our uh, athletic director, Bert Epting, uh, a phenomenal job uh, of building a program there. I mean, we're the largest private school in the state of South Carolina. Exciting things are happening there. Uh, we're in the middle of recruiting. Uh, the way this thing works is you recruit one year, you practice and develop the second year, which is their redshirt year, and then you begin playing in uh, September of 2024. So right now, we're on the road. I went to eight high schools today, hmm. back in uh, back in the upstate now, and uh, hoping this rain gets out of here. But yeah, it's great being back in the state and seeing all the high school coaches uh, that that, uh, that run this state. What's been the reception? Oh, it's been great. Uh, obviously. In, in this day and time of the uh, transfer portal, uh, high school coaches are looking for places to send their kids. Uh, Anderson University will start next year, and we will we will sign 90 young men <laughs> sometime in the month of February, hopefully uh, most of them on February 1st. 90 high school students, and that's how you get it started. So the reception has been great. Uh, they're excited about what's going on. We have a great PowerPoint that we carry around, and so we're bringing the campus to uh, all the uh, great folks in the state of South Carolina, and then in, in in January we'll bring a bunch of kids on campus. So, as far as you're getting people in, and that's great. What is it that you're selling them? What can you show them? You know, the physical side of it, or maybe the drawings. What kind of things do you show the families and the players? All right. Well, number one, we uh, we show them uh, our, our football facility, which will be a forty-four thousand square foot end zone facility, a football operations building, which will be done by June first. We are almost in the dry right now. It's coming along exceptionally well. I think if you drove to our campus and, and drove around, people would be stunned at our facilities on our campus and how beautiful our campus is. Um, Basically, the athletic campus is the old Anderson County Fairgrounds, mm-hmm. which Anderson University bought in, I think, 2009. And uh, our leadership there has done an unbelievable job of creating a, a great atmosphere. Uh, and so that's the first thing we show them. And, of course, you know, the, the great degree you get at Anderson uh, is the second thing we talk about. Uh, Anderson's uh, over – we have 4,100 students. So, uh, again, it's the largest private school in South Carolina. Uh, They've done a phenomenal job. And the biggest thing you sell from starting up front is you want to come in and we're telling these young men you create your own legacy. Because if you're the first class, the 2023 class, there's nobody behind you. you got a year to develop. you actually got a, an opportunity to start for four years. There's no guarantees there. But, hey, you, you got a, you've been there a whole year. You're developed. We'll sign the class of 24 behind you. And then 23 and 24 will go together and we'll play our first season. Do you have any commitments yet? Uh, I think we're up to about uh, eight commitments right now. Mm. So we got a long way to go to get to 90. But mm. uh, but in Division Two, you got to play the waiting game. 
So we'll start to get more of those uh, when they come to campus in uh, January. Is it your plan to build with South Carolina talent? Uh, absolutely. We, we're uh, Certainly our state money is good, and that can help us in our packaging. Anytime you talk about Division II football, your scholarships are stackable. You take your, your need-based money, your academic money, and your football money, and you stack it on top of each other to try to achieve the, the, the best results you can get. And so uh, we will start in-state and – and pretty much right now, with a staff of only four, uh, including myself, we are recruiting the whole state of South Carolina, uh, Atlanta area, and then Charlotte area. So uh, that's as far as we can get branched out right now. I look to, to hire the rest of my staff in January. So we'll have eight full-time coaches hired by January 15th, and uh, we'll be off and running for the, uh, for the next class. Fill us, fill us in on the staff. Who do you have? I uh, got a guy named Seth Strickland. Seth Strickland, obviously, that is a uh, yeah. familiar name. He has uh, uh, played quarterback there in South Carolina. He was at Albany State uh, as the offensive coordinator, and Albany State went to the playoffs last year. Have Malik Chevry will be on uh, defensive side of the ball. Malik is a, uh, a was a defensive back uh, at southeastern Louisiana. He's from Marietta, Georgia, but he coached last year at Erskine College, uh, which is also Division Two. And then I just added Brett Hickman. Brett Hickman was at North Greenville, was at Gardner-Webb, has been a head high school coach at West Brunswick High School in the state of North Carolina. So we've got uh, us four. We're kind of getting it done right now. But four coaches and 90 uh, spots to fill, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> no question. Visiting with Bobby Lamb, Anderson University, building that program player by player, brick by brick. Where will be the home for Anderson conference-wise? We will, we're going to we're right now all of our other sports are in the South Atlantic Conference. So mm-hmm. we will be in the SAC. Uh, we will com- compete do- immediately in 2024. We will be a member of the SAC in football. And uh, obviously, with, with a great conference, uh, you know, Newberry uh, won the league this year. Limestone got in the playoffs. Wingate got in the playoffs. Uh, so a, a very tough league to get into. But uh, from a proximity standpoint, you can, I mean, you can, it's about a four-hour radius to all the schools. So, uh, it's a great uh, conference to get in for your friends to come watch you play, even on the road, and your parents. So uh, we're excited about the uh, the sack and uh, look forward to getting in there and competing in that great league. Yeah, and boy, it is. that is a tough D2 league, no question about it, and it's getting better and better every year. Uh, and, and so by the time you kick it off with real games in 24, will you be on campus in a stadium or will you have to go to one of the nearby high schools for a while? Oh, no, absolutely. We'll be in the stadium, in our stadium. So what's going to happen is uh, our end zone uh, uh, building is getting is, is, uh, is being completed this year on June 1st. Then they will start on the stadium part of it. Now, we've already got a makeshift stadium, which was our soccer and lacrosse stadium. Mm-hmm. And so we've got just a 1,000 metal bleachers there. We're going to reconstruct that entire area and make that a, a big football stadium. Uh, and that will be done during our practice year. So while we're out there practicing on, that, uh, on the turf there, uh, they'll be building that stadium around. So I think it's important. Two things are important when you start a program. I've done this at Mercer, and now I've done it here, uh, starting here at Anderson. Two things are important. You need to have a facility for your kids to 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 uh, uh, have a day-to-day activities uh, and, and when they get here. And the second thing is you need to play on your campus. I think that's really important, uh, and, and Dr. Whitaker agreed. And so that's the route we're going. And so we're going to play on our first game on our campus. I think it's September 7, 2024. Against? Uh, T.L. Hannah Middle School. 
Just kidding. Uh, you know, you got to win that first game. You got to win that first game. Right. So, right. Uh, Who you no, got? We're still in search of. We're still in search of two non-conference games right now, and uh, we're working on that as we speak because we'll have our other comp- uh, our other games will be conference games, but uh, we're looking at two non-conference games to start the season. So two non-conference games, and then you'll play what eight conference games? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. What are going to be some of the uh, key characteristics of your stadium? What will what will make it maybe different from some other stadiums, or will it be just a basic well, football stadium? I think what's going to make it different is is we've got a 12,000-square-foot end zone building on the other end mm. that is our lacrosse and soccer teams, okay? And it's already up. It's been up now a year and a half to two years. And then on the far end will be our building. So our building, our football stadium, will be uh, in between two beautiful buildings. We'll add the stands on both sides. We'll, we'll, create, uh, we'll, we'll certainly have a uh, jumbotron slash school board there. Uh, and so I think it's unique that we've also got 800 parking spots already on the campus that was there uh, back when the fairgrounds uh, uh, came through. And uh, at the end of the day, you park right there and walk right into our stadium. So proximity is, is going to be great. But I think what's going to make a difference is you've got two beautiful buildings that are going to, um, you know, frame the stadium up. Of course, you were at Furman. And one of my favorite bumper stickers ever was the one that Furman put out. You might have been there. Maybe it was before your time where it had Furman. A, oh, I'm not, no, I know a, what you got. A rose between two thorns, you know, South, and then it had South yeah. Carolina's symbol and Clemson yeah. on the, and there was Furman, a rose between two thorns. I thought that was fabulous. And so my question yeah. is, there you are in Anderson. You're 12 miles from Clemson. And I know, look, you, you're going to have your fan base. You're going to have your students. You're going to have your supporters right there. But, I mean, you're really in the shadow of a, of a mega mega program there at Clemson. I know you don't not even suggesting competing, but do do you have to think about, you know, what's happening over there when you schedule things? Do you care about playing the same time that Clemson's playing a game knowing all the traffic and everything oh, uh, going? You, do you, you have to worry you, about that? Yes, you def you definitely going to care about that. We're trying to work with our conference right now to, to hopefully make sure that we have home games while Clemson has away games. And if we have to have a home game, then obviously our time will be different than their time. Mm. Uh, but getting back to the bump sticker, we don't have a bump sticker, but we got T-shirts still that say um, "Undefeated since 1911." You know what happened in 1911? <laughs> what happened in 1911? The school was founded. <laughs> yeah, the school was founded in right. 1911. Right. So, uh, so we've got uh, we've got two more years to be undefeated, and uh, hopefully we can <laughs> keep those shirts clean. Well, who do you think will become your biggest rival? Will it be? Uh, Erskine or North Greenville or or Newberry or uh, that's that's a good question. That that's something that's going to be decided as we move forward. You know, you have Erskine, you have Newberry, you have Limestone, you have North Greenville. Uh, you know, all, all the proximity from a proximity standpoint, those make sense. So we'll as we move forward, we'll uh, we'll hopefully try to decide that. Would you like to play Presbyterian? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to play Furman. I'm trying to play Wofford. I'm trying to play the Citadel. I'm trying to play South Carolina State. I'd love to get a uh, so-called money game with those teams uh, and have one of those per year, just like Clemson plays uh, Furman and, and and so forth. So mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to to do that and carry uh, our program around the state and let everybody see exactly what we're doing. All right. Last thing: when everything is put in place, when you got your players and you got your staff and you've coached them up and you've practiced and you run that team out on the field what kind of football team what are you going to try to do offensively what do you want to do defensively well we're going to do 
similar things that we did. Uh, you know, uh, I obviously played under Coach Dick Sheridan, the, the legendary coach, and, and so certain, learned so much football from him and the, and the late Jimmy Satterfield. And, and really, if you think about football, when you line up in the shotgun, which everybody's doing now, and you put the, the running back behind you in the pistol, uh, you're pretty much – it's called a pistol, and that's a fancy name, but at the end of the day, if you've got an H-back sitting beside you, it's good old eye football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, just just like in the good old days. So we're going to be in the, a pistol team. Uh, we're going to run the inside zone, outside zone, and counter up front, uh, and we're going to run the, all the RPO games in between with tempo because I think you got to do that these days because defenses are, are so, so good on the other side. And then from a defensive standpoint, uh, it'll all depend on our personnel. Right now, we're going to go three, four. Uh, but uh, you know, once we recruit these young men, and the great thing about recruiting ninety guys and having a year to practice, you can be creative. I mean, you can have a guy play wide receiver for a whole month. You can have, he can play DB for a month, and then you can decide where to put him. So uh, there's a lot of creativity that goes on during that practice year. Well, I would suggest if you're going to line up and have kind of a an eye formation look, you have a Dinky Johnson in there at fullback. Dinky Williams, don't don't, don't miss Dinky Williams. Name I'm sorry, Dinky yeah, Williams. Dinky okay, Williams. yeah, Dinky Williams from, from Iowa, South Carolina, yeah. Crescent High School, one of the best <laughs> fullbacks you'll ever see. Yeah, Dinky Williams. That's right, Dinky. Wi- I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think now. The era was that was were you a player or a coach then? Oh, I was a player. Okay, I mean, I re- I reached back and handed off that guy. I'm sorry, you did what? And I was scared of him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I said, I reached back and handed it off to that guy. There you go. Yeah, I thought so. so. Yeah. What a what a player he was. Yeah. If you had another couple of him, those guys to put in your backfield, you'd be in great shape. Oh, no question. No question. So, If people want to reach out to you, uh, whether it's, I don't know, coaches or maybe family members listening, potential players, what's the best way to, to reach you and, and get a message to you? Well, the, the best way is through social media. Uh, we're heavy. I'm heavy on social media, uh, and, and, and I, I wish I could uh, uh, recite my uh, Twitter handle all that, but <laughs> you can find it pretty easy. But uh, uh, definitely on Twitter. Uh, I get a lot of DMs on Twitter. And really, and truly, when you're recruiting 90 guys, um, you communicate with those guys a lot through Twitter. Uh, so the Twitter handle will be the best, and you can follow what's going on. I, we'll tweet it out a lot, and, of course, we have our own – Anderson football Twitter as well. So that's probably the best way. Yep, you are, uh, for folks uh, who want to know, you are at Bobby underline lamb. Okay, underscore. I mean, I got to coach you up on social media. Well, I call it underline. Is it underscore? Underscore. (laughs) Underline. (laughs) Underscore. (laughs) Okay, Bobby uh, dash, little dash low, low dash or underscore. Bobby low dash lamb. You got 20,000 followers. You You got 20.4 thousand followers. Yeah, that ain't bad. That ain't bad for for an older coach, you know. That's not bad at all. Listen, thank you for being with us. I see you were at Gaffney today too. I'm seeing a picture of you and uh, one of the coaches at Gaffney. So you're getting around. Thank yeah, you for Johnny Little John was a former player of ours. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for being with us. We'll keep in touch. In fact, next year I'm going to incorporate you in our preseason tour around the state because it'll be time to talk some serious football with you. That'll be awesome, Phil. Great, great talking to you and. Uh, Look forward to spreading the Anderson Trojan word around the state of South Carolina. You got it, sir. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bobby Lamb. Yeah, Dinky Williams. Oh, I got Dink- well, I got Dinky Johnson because I saw uh, his uh, – when I was when I was uh, Googling it, it came up with Bobby Johnson. I looked at Dinky. I saw Johnson. Dinky Williams was a great fullback.
and those Furman teams were really, really good uh, back in those days. So appreciate Coach being with us. Let's see what's happening. Uh, South Carolina UAB Gamecocks uh, fell behind early. They have come back. UAB has missed eleven of their last twelve, but they lead the Gamecocks thirteen to eleven at the under twelve timeout. So it started out ugly. Gamecocks have uh, pulled within two, and the Gamecocks are being led by uh, Brown with four. Jackson's got three. And for UAB, it's Jordan Walker. He's got 10 points. He's leading everybody in scoring. Gamecocks are shooting 33%, and UAB is shooting 27%. Another piece of news here that's just coming across right now. It is official. UCLA has been approved. The Board of Regents for the University of California has decided uh, there were rumors for the last what month or two that mm-hmm. they were going to attempt to block UCLA's announced move to the Big Ten. They have officially approved that, so UCLA is leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. All right, let's go to the break. When we come back, we'll give you the recruiting report tonight, then a visit with uh, Ellis Johnson as we talk about Maurice Drayton taking over as the new head football coach at the Citadel and comments from the new USC offensive coordinator. Get to know him, Dowell, Loggins, and Messina. Get that? Loggins and Messina, the singing duo. Uh, The Danger Zone, those are the two. So that's going to be the nickname of the offense, the Danger Zone, the song written and sung by Loggins and Messina. And we'll be back. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, South Carolina is great for the hunters, Major. What do the hunters need to remember before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. One thing we want hunters in this state to remember is always identify your target and what lies beyond it. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. 
Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish, South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Lowcountry, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. All right, we give you the recruiting report brought to you by Seawells, the very best in the catering business. Quick phone call to Seawells. That will take care of all you have to do. Let them do all the hard work. All you got to do is make the phone call. 803-771-7385 is the number. Online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Of course, they've been handling the catering business for now 80 years, and they know what they're doing. And they can take all that worry and sweat off of you. Just give them a call. 803-771-7385. Don't forget the daily luncheon buffet tomorrow at Seawells from 11 till 2. We checked in last night with USC 2024 quarterback commitment out of uh, Connecticut, Dante Reno. And he is eligible to enroll in 23 if he so chooses. He's coming down this weekend for an unofficial visit. And he said it's not necessarily tied in directly to what uh, Spencer Rattler decides to do. There's other things in play, but he said he'll discuss everything with Shane Beamer and with uh, Dowell Loggins while he's down here this weekend and and decide if they want to move forward with the 23 class or stay in the 24 class. Uh, obviously, he was excited about the hiring of Loggins. Feels like the offense he's going to bring to uh, Columbia, the offense that he will learn from him, is going to be uh, right up his alley as a pro-style quarterback. But the key thing from talking to him is that he is still considering enrolling in the 23 class. And we'll keep an eye on that over the weekend. And, of course, uh, USC lost a couple of offensive line commitments yesterday as Isaiah Jada, junior college player, decommitted. Looks like Auburn might be where he's headed. Oluwatosin Babalade told us last night he is not closing the door on South Carolina. He just needs more time to look at some other options. Back in a moment.
All right, Els Johnson coming up in uh, just a moment here on Sports Talk. Going to finish up the uh, recruiting report. Had a few more notes to get to, and then we'll have Coach Johnson on with us. And wrapping up the recruiting report, I mentioned the two decommitments. So the other one, and Jada looks like he's definitely moving on, but Babalade, again, made officials to USC, North Carolina, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Maryland before committing to the Gamecocks August the 5th. He has not shut the door. I guess if South Carolina wants to continue to recruit him and show strong interest, he's not shut the door. USC coaches made their in-home visit with linebacker Cameron Robinson last night, and he is scheduled for an official to USC this weekend. He has been committed to Virginia. He took an official to Florida State last weekend. He took officials to Virginia and Virginia Tech last summer. We mentioned report by Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports. Coastal Carolina transferring quarterback Grayson McCall will visit Auburn this weekend. USC target offensive tackle Keyshawn Blackstock offered by Southern Cal. He visited Michigan State last weekend. He's also taken officials to USC and Illinois. One-time USC target cornerback receiver Isaiah Johnson committed to Michigan State. And USC offered 2025 receiver Caleb Cunningham of Ackerman, Mississippi. There you go with the recruiting report tonight right here on Sports Talk. Check it out on our website, sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Uh, 26-20 UAB leading South Carolina, 646 to go in the first half. And also, we've got uh, Coastal Carolina playing out at South Dakota. Shants, Shants. Shants are up 16-9. to also, Charleston is leading Stetson 12-6 in the first half. And all that basketball talk means one thing. It's a great time to have Ellis Johnson. He loves basketball. He was a he was a hoopster back in the day. Coach, good to have you with us tonight. How are you? I'm great, Phil. Thank you for that uh, rousing punchline for my basketball career. Well, I mean, weren't you like a very good power forward there at old Winsboro High School? No, I was a practice. I, I, I was, yeah, I kind of was at, at Winsboro. But when I went to Citadel, I played freshman basketball for Les Robinson. Oh, I just before, but I actually scored some points in the old Coliseum. Really? Yeah, we were there the night that the fight broke out between Maryland and South Carolina, back when Coach McGuire was there. And we had just left. We played, and then we got to watch a little bit of the we had to get in the car. We were driving back to South Carolina, uh, back to the Citadel from the University of South Carolina, and we pulled in to get something to eat. And we were hearing all this stuff on radio about the fight, and it was just—it was kind of surreal. It was really funny. Yeah, that was some night at South Carolina. That place was going crazy. Well, I wanted to have you on for a couple of minutes to talk about Maurice Drayton, somebody you know extremely well from your Citadel days, throughout footballs, your days Southern Miss. Uh, he's going to be the new head coach at your alma mater. Uh, what do you think of the hire? What do you think he brings to the program? Well, I'm excited for the Citadel. I think he's a great, great hire. Uh, when I took the head coaching job there, Maurice had just finished playing maybe two or three years earlier, and he, wanted, he was staying on the coach. And back then, Phil, it was like full-time, part-time on that one AA level. You had full-time coaches, and you could have X number of part-time coaches I don't even know if that rule is in effect anymore, but Mark, uh, Mo was a part-time, I call him Mo. Mm. He was a part-time coach initially. 
and he coached two different positions under me in three years, receivers and defensive backs, and actually coached outside linebackers some. Uh, just a really, really accomplished coach. If you go look at his background, he's coached in high school. He's coached in European pro leagues. He's coached in one AA level. He's coached in uh, NFL. I mean, he's, he's coached in Indian ball. And just a really uh, a really strong background, and I think he's a great hire. I remember the first time I met him, I had to interview him all when I took the job down at Citadel. And the two things that jumped out at me is he was very confident and sure of himself, but he also, you could, you could feel he was a team player. In other words, I don't know what you're going to ask me to do, Coach, but I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I'm really happy for him. And I'm happy for the Citadel. I think it's a great pick. Yeah. Uh, local, a local fellow from Monk's Corner goes to the Citadel and uh, stands out as a player, now back as a head coach. I mean, at a place like the Citadel, like, you know, we say this all the time, a place like the Citadel, but, I mean, I guess it's helpful to have someone who's been there, understands things at the Citadel, understands the type of athlete, student athlete, that you have to have there to have success. Well, it's, it's more being able to handle the environment. You know, some coaches come in those environments and they don't understand the time restraints because these kids have other things going on in the military uh, daily routine or calendar. And so you have to kind of adjust to that. If you look at Citadel's history, the best coaches have not always been Citadel grads, and they've not always had any kind of military college or academy experience. I'm I'm happy he's there, and I know our former players are because he's one of us. It doesn't necessarily mean it equates to success, mm-hmm. but uh, again, I'm I'm really tickled he was hired. He will do a great job, and the Citadel has to make sure they're ready to, you know, help him and move the program forward. And the culture of today's college athletics, the academies and the military schools, are it's even more of a challenge. Because this transfer portal, kids are leaving, they're coming in, they're leaving, they're coming in. But guess what? At the military schools, they leave, but you can't bring them in. Now, you can, but they have to go through the freshman system, and most kids are not going to do that. Yeah, I mentioned last night, Army-Navy. I mean, that's what college football really used to be about. Then it dawned on me after I said that, that Navy fired their coach right after the game, the all-time winningest coach at Navy, and they fired him in the locker room. The AD just told him right then and there, you're done. Didn't give him a chance to fight for his job or anything. You know, I know it slipped there last couple of years, but he's been really, really good. So just getting back to the Citadel, um, do you think – you know Maurice you know, so well, but maybe – I don't know if you've discussed this with him. What do you think he'll want to do offensively? It's been a triple option – uh, ground-oriented program for so long, I guess, you know, going back to, I guess Kevin Higgins threw it a good bit, and then Mike Houston came in with more of a ground attack, and Brent Thompson kept that going. What do you think he'll want to do offensively? We talk a lot. and I, I can't share everything because, you know, some other stuff that he would not want me to talk about on the media. Mm. But he, I know he wants to keep the option in the offense, but I think he has a feeling that he has to get out of the under-the-center, three-back, wishbone type, type system. It's so hard to throw the ball effectively when you need to throw the ball 
if you always had the quarterback on the center and you got three backs in the backfield, I don't care if they're slots or if they're in you know, halfback positions. So those type of things allow people to walk people up in the box and give you so much trouble running the football. And that's what you believe in, running the football. I think he is enamored, and hopefully people will get something out of this. Uh, Jamie Chadwell is running a system. It's a lot like when I came through college. The split-back beer was a big deal. Two backs in the backfield with a quarterback. Triple option, but you got two to three split receivers, and you can throw the ball if you need to. Mm-hmm. However, back then, everybody was still under the center. And now people are moving them off the line of scrimmage, taking the shotgun snap, still got the triple options. Some people do it with the RPO. Some people do it with the two backs and all that kind of thing. My, I guess to sum it up, he doesn't want to run the strict wishbone concept. And I think he's searching for somebody that fits his uh, vision of what he wants to do. You'll still see a bunch of options. But I think he wants to find some people that control the football, catch the football, and protect the quarterback. What do you think will be his strength overseeing a program? The one thing that jumps out of my mind when I had him as a, an assistant coach, very meticulous. And he was always kind of trying to make sure he understood the whole program. He wasn't a guy who had a position and made sure his guys were straight and all that. And then I don't care what you do over there. He was always kind of looking in to want to learn from different things. And if you look at his background, he's coached a lot of different positions. And he's been he's actually been a, a player coach over in European football one time. So he's got a really varied experience level. Uh, I think he'll be a good CEO. But I think he also has a great knowledge of every phase of the football game, all three phases. And uh, I, I think that what he will bring is an organizational structure. He'll bring some – I know he'll be disciplined. And I think he, I think the key to it is to open the offense a little bit but still, you know, have a very aggressive defensive attitude. And uh, I got a lot of confidence in him. And he's not a young dude now. Mark, Mark, uh, Mo's been around the block. He's, he's been a lot of places. He's got great experience, great background. Well, I'm sure Citadel people listening – want to know the answer to this question is in some form or fashion is ellis johnson going to be involved with the program besides just being a supporter and a fan well i kind of consider myself having been involved but as you say more as a supporter and whatever aspect but i definitely told him i'd be available in any kind of transitional thing what i could help any input any assistance he wants to coach the raiders through their season, doesn't look like they'll be in the playoffs. So you got to think January, early January, I think it's third or fourth, somewhere in there. They play the last game. If they get in the playoffs, he wants to pursue that too. Right now, I don't think that's an issue because it goes dead in about four or five days now. But I, I, I know he's got a transitional uh, plan in, in mind, and I'm, I'm available, and he has not told me anything that he wants me to do. But I told him I'd be available for that. Uh, what I did tell him, though, is I'm not into weekends and bus rides. <laughs> <laughs> no weekends, no bus rides. No, I'm, I'm, I'm too old for that. Bill. I understand. I get that. Listen, we thank you. Hope you have a great holiday. We'll get back with you uh, after Christmas as we get into the bowl games, break it down like we always do. 
And uh, we thank you for your input here regarding uh, Coach Drayton. We'll get him on as soon as he's available. And uh, we appreciate your time as always. Have a great night. Anytime. And uh, anytime you need call, I enjoy it. Our pleasure. Thank you very much, Coach Ellis Johnson. Anything Citadel football, he is the man to turn to. We appreciate that very much. As we go to break, we see that Peyton Strecco has committed to Clemson, running back out of coming Georgia. This is a PWO situation, but he's uh, tweeted out that he's committing to Clemson. I think he visited yesterday and today, so he'll be going there as a preferred walk-on. 2.26 to go in the half. UAB is leading the Gamecocks. 33-25. The Gamecocks have turned it over four times. In the last three minutes, they're being led in scoring by Carter, and he's got nine at this point, and we'll be back to hear from Dowell Loggins. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. All right, today at USC, Shane Beamer formally introduced Dowell Loggins as his new OC, QB coach. Here is some of what Coach Loggins had to say from taking questions. We go right to questions from the media with Dowell Loggins. Being a play caller in the NFL, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of major adjustment to do it in college. Just, I know you just got here, but what does that adjustment look like? What all do you have to do to say, all right, I got to do this to get ready to start calling plays in college? Yes, sir. I don't think the play calling process is any different than it is in the NFL at the highest level. What is different is field dimensions and hashes and space and tempo and all those things that uh, in college football are very important. And that's where I think my 
if I think if you transition straight from the NFL to college football, I think it can be tough because it is a different game in some ways. Uh, obviously, the NFL is the highest level of football, and it's to Coach Beamer's point, there's not a 20-hour rule. And you're with your quarterbacks and your players all day, and you're just grinding ball. And that's what it is. And you, outside of evaluating some players, but um, going to Arkansas for those two years gave me such a uh, – it will be such a benefit for me because now you can see – the hash plays that you need, the space plays that you need that aren't as important in the NFL because it's still 53 and a third, but that those hashes are six yards. And now there's a field boundary and there's a real element of that. Um, so pl- calling the plays is calling the plays, but the two years of Arkansas have been extremely beneficial for me that way, understanding um, the college game a little bit more. This team, of course, next year is going to look, you know, pretty different from what it was this past year, I guess, with, you know, transfer portal and things like that just but from what you've seen from uh, South Carolina's offense obviously last year when you all played them and just any other tape that you've seen um, what about that team or I guess what do you what do you see as maybe some of the things that they do well and some of their identity on offense and things that um, you you would look to uh, help them improve upon um, okay Jeremy I'm gonna kind of answer your question but gonna go in a different direction with it we played you guys week two and um, we obviously won the game in a in a fashion that I felt like we were the better team that day and maybe for the whole season. And what it, I've gotten to this point in my career where I can be very picky with jobs. And at this point, you start picking people and you pick cultures. And to play you guys in week two, and you guys, a talented football team, no question, but um, what you guys started with in week two to how you finished – there was something special about this place and this culture and what's being created to finish the way you did. And that goes back to Coach Beamer and what he's created here with the culture. And that's what really enticed me with this, with this job. It was, that was the opportunity that was like, something special is going on there. I want to be part of it. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a football thing. The football will take care of itself. We got a lot of, we got a good staff. We got a great head coach, but and you got great kids and you see they're bought in because how do you lose that game in week two in the SEC and finish the way you did? And it goes back to the culture you're building. Um, I haven't had it. I've watched obviously some, some tape. Uh, this last three or four days has been a grind and uh, getting caught up and in a lot of different ways, but uh, you know, get up to speed that way. I know that we've got good players and our job is to get the most out of each player. And that's, that's how I would define success is dude, did you max out everyone to the, to the highest level of their capability. You've been really touted as a strong recruiter. Just, you know, in the NFL, you don't have to do that. So where did you kind of build that skill set? And, you know, what do the next couple weeks look like for you in terms of getting on the ground recruiting for South Carolina? Yes, ma'am. The hard thing about the NFL is you don't get to pick your players. And, you know, when we were in Chicago in 2016, um, talk about Alshon, had a great year for us. and he was our best player on offense, and he goes to free agency. And in my mind that time, I'd only coached in pro football. And you get frustrated because you're like, man, we just let our best receiver go. And that, that guy's not replaceable. And so you, in the back of my mind, I was always intrigued with college football. And I, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, if you go to college football, you're accountable for your roster. Like, if you don't have a good enough roster, that's your fault. And you determine how well and how hard you recruit. And you determine the success you can have and you felt like, hey, you have a little bit more um, ownership in the roster building part of it. And I think recruiting comes down to relationships. And I don't think you can fool an 18 to 22 year old. They see right through it. And 
Um, I'm a, I consider myself a people person. I enjoy, I love the recruiting process because you get to meet a lot of cool kids and a lot of parents and come from different situations and different backgrounds. And you get to tell them and sell them and not, not really sell them because I don't really consider it recruiting. I consider it building relationships and building relationships to the point where they, they either a mom, a dad, a uh, auntie, a grandma trust you with their kids. And it, that's a more awesome responsibility than, than you can imagine as a coach. And I take the being the play caller South Carolina is a huge responsibility, but you're also going to mold 18 to 22 year olds into, into becoming young adults. And that's an awesome responsibility as well that I take very seriously. And I think that when you talk to recruits and parents, I think they feel that and they, they can feel, they feel sincere versus fake and they feel recruiting versus building relationships. And we have such an awesome program to sell. We got a great head coach to sell, uh, an awesome fan base. There's no game day atmosphere in America like this place. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. When you made the transition from the NFL to college, how long did it take you to feel comfortable just making that transition and with the uh, you know differences between the two? And also, yeah. how important is the spring going to be for you as um, you implement your offense with a new team. Yes, sir, Rick. It, um, so when I left the Jets, I had a little brief stint with Coach Franklin at Penn State for about, it was about three months. Um, and as a guy that I have a ton of respect for, when I was in Tennessee, he was the head coach at Vanderbilt. And I used to wear him out about, I was at practice all the time. I was curious about recruiting. He's a relentless recruiter. And I wanted to know more about it before, hey, I want to know, do I, if, do I want to go jump in college football or do I want to continue to go coach in the NFL? And so it was an awesome opportunity for me to go and learn at a guy who's run a program for a long time, had a ton of success at Vanderbilt um, and doing great things at Penn State. And so I got to see the nuts and bolts of his program from the inside out, which also gave me confidence, like, hey, I do want to, I want to go coach in college football. The, you know, because when you've never recruited, you're, you're worried, like, hey, what's this recruiting? Like, you guys have heard the horror stories. Like, um, you know, it's, but I've really enjoyed that process and I needed that to say, Hey, this is something I want to do. So when the Arkansas opportunity came back to go back to my alma mater and coach, and it was, um, I think it surprised a lot of people that I was willing to go become the tight end coach, but it was an SEC job and it was a chance to prove to people I could recruit. And I needed to, I needed to do that. I, I know the football aspect of it, but I also wanted to prove to that I could be, uh, recruited at a high level. So I, you know, that was that was part of the process, and then I think the spring is really important to get to know your players and do what, find out what each one of them can do. And your job as a coach, like, it's not that we're not going to have one system and say, hey, this is our system. You have to fit it. We got to find out what each one of our guys does best and put them in that situation. That's how you create success, and that's the only way to maximize a person. It's not just trying to, you know, fit one player into the system, and that's what you do in spring ball. You're not, you don't play, there's no, there's no scoreboard. You're creating competition on the roster and you're creating depth for your team and you're building fundamentals. And we're gonna find out what each guy's skill set is. So that the spring is extremely important for, for our roster, for our staff and for myself. Okay, there you go with the new offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins at uh, South Carolina. See how things go. Don't be so judgmental. The proof is in the pudding. We'll find out when they played North Carolina. You know North Carolina's going to have a hell of an offense with Drake May. And, of course, they'll have a new offensive coordinator as well. But that'll be the first test. That might not be too bad because North Carolina's defense will probably still stink again. They're losing their top corner to transfer and who knows who else. So maybe the Gamecocks can go to Charlotte and put 
you know, 35, 40 points on the board, and everybody be raving about this guy. Meantime, Gamecock basketball down 42-28 at the half to UAB. They shot 33% in the first half. Gamecocks being led by Carter with 10. This was a, a tight ball game there for a little bit, but he got away from the Gamecocks there towards the end of the first half. They went from down two with 8.45 to play, 22-20. They were outscored from there, 20-8 to the rest of the half. Have a great night. Thank you for being with us. Your humble little sports talk show. We're at it again tomorrow night. We'll see you then.